Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Luke chapter 17, and I want to talk about Thanksgiving, the, the attitude of gratitude. And I've never been one of those preachers that, you know, it's this time of year, so I preach on this theme. Uh, But this year, I just really felt the compulsion as we've been speaking on finish strong. Everyone say finish strong. strong. Uh, We've been talking about finish strong. And as we are in the month now of November, coming into December, it's vital that we finish strong. Many of us have made resolutions at the beginning of the year to get in shape, to get out of debt, uh, to heal relationships, to, uh, to take care of certain things. And here we are coming to the month of November. Uh, December is, a, is upon us. Christmas is you know, five, six weeks away. We're toward the end of this year. And every resolution you made, things that you, de- declarations that you made, I need you to understand it's not too late. You can finish strong. You can finish these final five, six weeks Strong. No matter how bad of a start you've had, you have the ability to finish strong this year. But how do we do so? How do we finish strong? I want you to know one of the keys is, is through the attitude of gratitude. And in chapter 17 of the book of Luke, starting in verse 11, it says this. As Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border. Everyone say border. Between Galilee and Samaria, whenever you see a transition of cities, whenever you see border, I want you to understand that you're about to enter into a shift. You're entering from one season to a next. You're stepping from one level to another. I want you to understand that for some of you here this morning, I speak prophetically over you, that you are leaving one season and entering into another. You're walking out of one season and stepping in to another. I want to release over you this morning that you are walking in to a new season. You're walking into a season of harvest, a season of blessing. You're leaving the old and you're about to step into the new. Verse 12 says, as he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance. How many of them were there? And what were they doing? How far away? So there's a gap. Everyone say gap. Verse 13 says, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, and he looked at them and said, Jesus speaking, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, someone say as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want want to point out a few things before kind of foundation as we lay, lay this down for gratitude. I want you to first of all understand that leprosy, what didn't discriminate on financial background, didn't discriminate based on your, your race, your color, or your creed. It didn't discriminate based on whether you came from the, the, the good side of town or the bad side of town. Leprosy did not discriminate. And when it affected or infected an individual, leprosy got to the point where it removed that individual from society. They were forced to leave their family, their children, 
children, their loved ones, their possessions, their communities, their churches, their synagogues. They had to walk away and they were separated from the very people that they loved because of this thing called leprosy. Sin is much the same way. Addictions have drawn people away from their families. It is separated. It doesn't mind. Doesn't matter what your race, color, or creed is. It has the ability. Sin is a level playing field for all of us. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your well at the end of the end of the year what your W two says. The bottom line is that you can't buy your way out of leprosy. And here these people were that were separated from society. The thing that brought them together, their commonality, was leprosy. And leprosy was such a dreaded disease that it would literally eat away at the flesh to where the open wounds and parts of your ear would fall off. You would lose members of your fingers and and your toes and extremities would begin just to fall off and rot away. You would have holes and it would be the point like, like the walking dead. People that are alive with rotting flesh. And yet this is the society that they dwelt in. And because it was contagious, they had to be separated to protect everyone else from society. And the Bible says that these individuals saw Jesus at a distance. Someone say at a distance. And they, that, that, that their, their condition separated them from God. It separated, separated them from their walk with God. I want you to know that sin, it doesn't matter what it is from a white lie all the way down to murder, that it separates us from God for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So don't you look down at the sin of another. Don't you point your fingers at someone else's sin because we're all infected or was infected at one time by that disease called sin. It separated them, but these men see Jesus and they call out, Jesus, Master, they recognize we're under you. We, we, We place you as ruler over our lives. Have mercy. Everyone say mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. We all need the mercy of God. Some of y'all get all bent out of shape. You go to a restaurant and it's not to your liking. I paid for something. I should get what I deserve. You should pray to God that you don't get what you deserve. Come on, somebody. You better pray you don't get what you deserve. You better thank God you didn't get the wife you deserve. You better thank God you didn't get the husband you deserve. Thank God that God had mercy on you and gave you who he gave you. You want to know what mercy looks like? Look at your husband or your wife. God loved you so much that he didn't give you what you deserved. He gave you something better. Come on, somebody. But these ten men, their condition brought them together. In their condition, they were all equal. But that condition left a gap. And so I want you to notice what happens here, okay? Uh, Chot, stand up. You're Jesus, all right? Love you, Jesus. All right. I think Jesus had more hair, but that's okay. It's okay. You look good. But, but, but I want, want you to notice something with, with Jesus standing there. There's a gap, and they got ten of, ten of them standing here. The Bible says they call out to Jesus because according to the law, they're not allowed to walk up to him. So what they're doing is they're showing respect by the gap. Many of us are showing our respect to God by not drawing close to him in our condition. 
That's why some of y'all don't come to church every Sunday. Because you got, you got blasted on Saturday night. Then you feel guilty for coming in on Sunday morning. Say it again, Pastor. I don't want to yell because your hangover might hurt if I... But it builds, it builds a gap. Come on. It builds, a, and sometimes because of our sin, we feel guilty for approaching God. But I want you to know, Jesus, it's the very people that Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are weak and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so they call out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And I love what Jesus does. Notice, Jesus doesn't come over to them and lay hands on them. He doesn't come over and, and, and start prophesying over them. He doesn't start shaking over them. He doesn't do any of that stuff. Notice what Jesus does. There's no prayer. There's no touching. There's nothing else but gave them a direction. What did he tell them to do? Jesus tells them, Let, put the scripture back up there so Jesus knows what to say. Okay? In Jesus, verse 14, and Jesus looked at them and said, That's my part. Okay? And as they went, what happened? As they went, they were. As they went, they were. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate that. Now, I want you to notice. Jesus gives them. He doesn't touch them. doesn't pray over them. He gives them direction. I want you to know that God has given us a direction to go in order to be free. He doesn't. He, you're waiting for hocus pocus. You're waiting for Disney. You're waiting for all these things and magic to take place. When God said, I gave you principles, I gave you direction to get your life free. And he said, on the way, come on somebody, on the way. They were set free. And so when you're praying for your marriage, when I take the principles or the direction of the word of God and I begin to walk those things out on the way, my marriage is healed. When I work out those things for my body and I declare those things on the way, my body is healed. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm preaching right now. That in the middle of your emotional distress and depression, that as I walk these things out and I walk according to the direction on my way, I'm healed. The problem is Jesus gives us direction. But we don't want to go the direction he told us to go. Then we complain that we didn't get healed. You can't do your own thing and expect the Jesus blessing. It's on the way. I may not be healed right now, but it's on the way. I may not get set free yet, but I'm, I'm on the way. I may be struggling right now, but I'm, I'm on the way. And in the middle of everything that you're going through, that if you would just stay on the direction that God gave you, I need you to understand choices, not wishes, change your life. Everyone's wishing their life would change. But it's choices you make. You can't treat your wife the same way and expect your marriage to get better. Treat your husband that way and expect him all of a sudden to be a man of God. You got, it's the choices you make, not wishes. And so you know what, what happens is this. And follow me on this. I, I know it's a little warm in here. If we can get the back doors open. 
I, I want you to understand. Take, take a look at this. I really believe that we have, a lot of, we have a lot of believers in Christ, but not a lot of followers. Let me try this side. We have a lot of believers in Christ, but not a lot of followers. And let me explain that. Is that we got a lot of people that believe the word of God. They just don't do it. And so as a result, even Satan and the demons believe in Jesus, believe in God. In fact, when the demons ran into Jesus on earth, they said, oh, my God, Jesus, son of God, what do we have to do with you? And Jesus says, shut up. I don't want to hear you talk. You are the son of the living God. Be quiet. Because God doesn't want praise from someone whose heart's not committed to him. Jesus isn't so hard up for worship that he'll take it from anyone. So he told the demons, shut up. I want the people to say that. In fact, when Bartimaeus said it, he gave him sight from his blindness. But when a demon spoke it, he said, shut up. I don't want you speaking that. You don't know me. You're not serving me. You're not following after me. And so, yeah, that's right. And so I want you to understand that many of us are believers in Christ, but we're not followers. And I want to apologize. I know the, the color is kind of fading out. One of our elderly folks uh, um, asked me earlier, can you change the color of your slides? Because uh, we can't see us older people. I think us younger people uh, can't see it either. So I apologize. But I want you to understand that the, the, the gospel has become egocentric. We have made the gospel about us. Let me, we've created a gospel that's not even the gospel. Because the reason many of us come to church is we come to church because we have a need that needs to be met. We don't come to church to give to God. We come to church to receive something from God. Why are you here? Well, I, I, if I were to ask you all, well, because uh, my marriage, because my body, because my finances, my mind, I just need some peace in my life. We all come to get something. That was never what the gospel was all about. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. And I'll add all these things unto you. We want God to add all these things unto us and then we'll follow him. Give me everything and I'll follow you. But God says, follow me and I'll give you all these things. We, we have the priorities all mixed up. Now, now follow me. And as, so as a result, we serve a God that, that uh, serve a God based on what he can give us. And so we come to church or don't come to church based on our need. Not based on our ability to worship him or come to magnify him or gather because we give him honor. That culture of honor. We only come when we need something. That's not the gospel. That's not what the church was all about. Now follow me. It's getting heck of quiet in here. Maybe this is a wrong sermon to preach when they're collecting an offering for you at the end of service. You know what? That just goes to show you I'm not moved by money. I'll preach whatever God tells me to preach. Listen, you, 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 you cannot pay me to love this church or work as a pastor for this church. Can't be done. Barna, George Barna, who, who does statistics, 
came up with this declaration. Barna states that 98% of Christians, young Christian people, believe in Christ but are not Christ-like. 98% of our kids, they believe in Christ, but they're not Christ-like. And that's the whole purpose of following Christ. Isn't to come to church, but to be Christ-like. You know, Christ is so amazing. Reading and journaling this morning as I'm reading, you got John the Baptist who is so committed to God, so committed to, to, to Jesus. I must decrease and he must increase. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. But when he's sitting in prison and all of a sudden not being, being ignored, wondering if Jesus is even thinking about me, he sends some men out to ask, are you the one or should I look for another? John the Baptist is offended now that that Jesus is ministering and not even concerned about him. And I love what Jesus does. Some of us get so offended over so many things so quickly. Jesus doesn't catch the offense back. He could have been like, really? Really, John? After all I did, really, I let you baptize me. I went to your baptism party. I should have baptized you, but I let you baptize me. But am I asking questions about it? No, you're all offended now, now that you're locked up and you're just wondering if I'm the one or should you look for another. Jesus doesn't get offended. We want to be Christ-like, then we got to stop responding with every opportunity for offense. Dude, we're offended at everything. You took my parking place. You didn't shake my hand. You, can, you walked right by me. You did this. You did that. Is that Christ-like? Jesus, after they asked, Jesus goes out, starts healing people, doing the ministry, and says, hey, tell John what you saw. The lame walk, the blind see, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. He says, you might be offended, but I'm not. I'm, I'm cool. You don't have to be offended. Offense is a choice. That's an egocentric gospel. We're offended by everything. No, notice what happens here. There's a gap between our belief and our actions, but it's on the way. Somebody say on the way. It's on the way. Look at the next scripture. I want you to take a, take a look here. It says this, verse 15. He says, one of them, someone say one of them. When he saw that he was healed, he, he's walking, and all of a sudden, he has wraps where his fingers were missing. Now, all of a sudden, the wrap is moving up, and his fingers back. All of a sudden, his ears back. All of a sudden, the hole in his nose is restored. All of a sudden, he's recognizing pieces of skin that were gone. His club foot, because he was missing toes, all of a sudden, he's walking better because his toes are all back all of a sudden. And as he's walking on the way, he realizes, I'm healed. Dude. I'm healed. And he's so grateful for the healing that the Bible says that he stopped, that he ran back, found Jesus, threw himself down at Jesus' feet, yelling, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And he's praising God for God restoring him. And after that happens, he, he, he goes, he follows the directions, gets healed. And it's a trip. Sometimes we trip out that when we do what Jesus says, it responds with healing. Wow, this stuff really works. Imagine if you would do it. He comes back, and as he does that, Jesus is doing this. Jesus is, Jesus is looking at this guy laying at his feet, and Jesus does this.
I thought there were 10 of you. Don't tell me Jesus doesn't notice numbers. There were 10 of you that I healed, and yet only one came back? Only one shows gratitude? Only one? What's amazing is this. Jesus is taken back because the other nine, by implication, he says this. He says, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? No one has returned to give God glory except this foreigner? The Samaritan. But you know what, you know what Jesus is implying? Is that the other nine were Jewish. The one that wasn't, the one that they were separated, they were enemies outside, but their sickness brought them all to the same level. And now that they're healed, it's only the one that was separated. It's only the one that realizes, I get it all back. Why is he praising God? Why is he responding? What took him from that point of healing to stop, turn around, and give God praise? Because it wasn't just getting his ear back. It wasn't just getting his finger back. It wasn't getting his toes back. He got his family back. He got his life back. He got his future back. He got his community back. Oh, if it wasn't for Jesus, where would you be right now? If it wasn't for Christ, what would you be right now? If it hadn't been for the mercy and the grace of God, you wouldn't have your wife, your kids, your family, your job, your sobriety. If it wasn't for God, where would you be? Come on, somebody. But where were the other nine? The other nine didn't come back because of, as Jews, they had entitlement. They expected these things. So when they got healed, they're like, oh, cool. Sweet. Let's get to the priest. Not one of them, and I'm sure they were were grateful. Hey, man, this is cool. Man, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. But they never expressed it. Many of us are grateful. But the fact that you don't express that gratitude means that gratitude is void. It's not valid. Gratitude unexpressed is gratitude that's that's invalid. It's voided. Let me explain it to you this way. Do you recognize that? We show the least gratitude to those we expect it from. Come on. Working outside, sweating husband, you're out there working the yard, and all of a sudden your wife, she's busy cleaning inside, doing all this stuff, just as busy as you. But all you see is the work you're doing. She comes outside with that iced tea, glass dripping with beads of coolness on the outside and hands it to you. You take it. About time. And just drink it. (laughs) No thank you. I appreciate it. And that's why relationships fall apart. Because the very people that are closest to us are the very individuals that we stop showing gratitude to. Because it's easier to hurt people that are closest to you. One of the things I, I've been taught was to say, th- and you know, and growing up, how many, this has happened to you. Someone gives you something. Give me something. Thank you. Okay. When I was growing up, it usually went something like this. Hand it to me again, please. What? 
What do you say? Right? How many were raised under that style of... The problem with that is this. Man, thank you. We've been taught what to say, not what to feel. So we teach people to respond by saying the right thing, but not feeling the right thing. And as a result, we've raised up a group of people that know what to say. They just don't know how to feel. And we're separated from that emotion. It drives me crazy. Ingrateful people drive me crazy. You do something for someone and and they they don't acknowledge it. Say, if I give you a Christmas gift and you don't say thank you, you ain't getting another one next year. Because being grateful is important. You hear that, girls? Got my daughters in the very back row. In sinner's row. Entitlement. But I want you to notice something here. This is the key as I close. Worship team, if you could help me. I love my babies. I want you to understand something. This is the most important key. Jesus looks at the one laying at his feet and says this. Go, your faith has made you whole. Now, now, now follow me on this as I close, okay? Stay with me on this. The other nine received their healing, but only one received wholeness. The other nine were, were healed, but they still had the mental issue. They still had the offensive issue. They still had problems. They still had hangups. They had all these different issues that were going around because that word whole in the Greek is sozo. I'm very familiar with that word sozo here because you'll have sozos if you have issues that keep reappearing in your life. There's a problem that goes down. There's some roots that need to be dealt with. And so a sozo will take you down. But sozo not not only means to keep safe, preserve, rescue, or make well, but it's the equivalent to the Hebrew word shalom. And so when I would see, when, when Jews see one another, they greet each other and leave each other with that word shalom. It means peace over your house. May, may peace be over you. May you lack nothing. May the shalom of God rest upon you. And so may everything be well with you. When you have sozo, every part of your life, mentally, spiritually, physically, is all well. Problem is, we got some saved people that are messed up emotionally. You haven't been sozoed. You, you got healed, but you haven't been made whole. And what makes you whole is gratitude. You're not thankful for anything. You look at what you're lacking, not what you've received. Why didn't I get this? Why didn't I get that? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And you look at what you're missing instead of being grateful for everything God gave you. You look at what other people got and what you missed instead of looking at what God blessed you with. It's time to stop taking your eyes on putting it on other people and stop for a moment and be grateful for the husband you have. Be grateful for the wife you have. Be grateful for the kids God blessed you with. Be grateful. See, you might not have everything that you want. Do me a favor. Try this. If you feel a pulsing going on right now, then you got something to be grateful for. 
It's an attitude of gratitude. And one man's ability to say thank you. You don't don't understand the implications that are going on here. Because this was, in their eyes, the dog of the dogs to a Jew. Samaritans and Jews just didn't get along. And yet Jesus told him, your faith has saved you. Now, I'm giving you access to heaven. I'm giving you access to relationship with me. Just because you were grateful for what I did for you. You'll be amazed how much farther you can go in life when you learn gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not saying that because we're, it's pastor's day today. But we need to learn to say thank you. Be grateful for what God blessed you with. Your mom may not have been every, everything. She may not have been Carol Brady. But she was the mom you needed in your life for you to achieve the things God intended you to become. Be grateful for her. And I want you this week to express gratitude to those around you. I want you to take time to express the gratitude because in the ability to say thank you, you open up your ability to be made whole. Thank you. And for some of you, that means saying thankful, thank you to those enemies. Because if it wasn't for their hating, it wasn't for their disbelief, if it wasn't for their you'll never amount to anything, you would have never had the thing, I'll show you, I'm going to do that. And that very thing is what motivated you to succeed. So go find your hater this week and say, hey, man, happy Thanksgiving. I'm grateful for you. Thank you. If we would just take time to focus in on being grateful instead of our rights, God could bless you. Bow your heads right now. Just for a moment, I simply want to ask this question. You find yourself complaining rather than being grateful. And it's usually because we feel like we're being left out in something or we deserve more. But right now, be grateful for what you have. Before Jesus fed the multitudes, the Bible says that he took what he had, the five loaves and the two fish, and he broke them and he gave thanks for them. He didn't complain about his lack. He gave thanks for what he had. And God multiplied it and fed a multitude. Stop complaining about your lack and be grateful for what's in your hand right now. That's you. You would just simply say, Pastor Dan, I need to learn the attitude of gratitude. If that's you right where you are, just lift your hand in the air real, really quickly. God bless you. God bless you. God, wow. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands going up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe there's some here that you are grateful for someone or something, but you haven't expressed it recently. And you know you need to this week. If that's you, lift your hand as well. Amen. Amen. 
need to just share that your, your gratitude. I'm going to ask everyone to stand, those that lifted their hands and those that didn't as well. Father, I pray for every person standing now, my God, your grace upon them. Lord, I just believe now, my God, that you desire to stir up gratitude. You want to do so much more in our lives than what you've accomplished so far. And so, Father, now, my God, I ask your grace over each and every person. Stir up an attitude of gratitude this morning. Stir up our ability, my God, to be grateful for the things that you've blessed us with. To stop looking at what I don't have and be thankful for what I have right now. Thankful for what you gave me. Thank you, my God, for my family, my children, my God, my community. Lord God, my job. I thank you for the place that I live. I thank you for the car that I drive, even though I have to do certain tricks to get it started. Lord, I'm thankful today, my God, for what you gave me today. I'm not going to complain any longer about what I lack. I'm going to stop comparing myself to other people. For your word says those that compare themselves among themselves are foolish. Lord, i got to stop comparing myself to other people and enjoy the blessings you gave to me. In Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.